Um, today we're talking about distractions. Distractions. And of course, the very stuff that we're looking at at the moment, I've just been very unsuccessfully acting out before you, is the very sort of thing that can pull our attention away from the things where it needs to be. So we're going to be starting on this. And uh, I think just to say that, well, maybe to start with this, have we got it? There we go. We're starting our Christmas series today called Travel Light. So it's going to run morning and evening, different messages in the morning and the evening. So uh, if you come tonight, you'll hear a different message to this one. And um, it really, what is this all about? What's the heart of this thing? Just also mention, really grateful to the guys at Life Church in the States who've made these resources available as well that we can use, like the video. Um, so that, that's really, really helpful. So this series is about this. At Christmas time, we often feel very busy and overcrowded. A lot of people are carrying stuff at Christmas. It could be things like pressures and burdens. You're feeling financial pressures. You have relationship issues and pressures that you're carrying. It can be things like regrets and sorrows. You feel like, you know, things you're sorry about. Maybe failures and stuff, and you're carrying all this stuff. We carry extra baggage that God doesn't want us to be carrying, all right? So this series is all about unloading some of that extra stuff. Now, in that little video clip, you would have noticed that... Uh, some of the bags fell out by accident, okay? So this is not an accidental thing. This is an intentional thing. We're looking at throwing off some stuff at Christmas, all right? And we're going to talk about that as we go. Now, I think it's something that we can all really look forward to, I trust. So why don't you, just to get you in the mood, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to travel a lot. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to travel a lot. It's funny I was going to say, after pretending to be distracted, I suddenly distracted my mind feels. It's the most amazing thing. And uh, this is the thing, is that one of the things that we want to travel a bit lighter on is mental clutter, so to speak, all right? So, you know, there's so many things often filling our minds, so many things that we're preoccupied with in this world we live in. It's very hard to focus sometimes in the world, isn't it, okay? We notice that on a Sunday, some of us who stand up here and preach, because every so often we notice some of you praying for us. You know, just in the service, you just sort of, your head goes down and you just, and you, you take a moment to pray. And we're so grateful. Thank you for those prayers. But, um, yes, and this thing is jumping off today. Sorry, man. It's, uh, let me just, yo. I'm really not worry. It's okay. I'm fine. I can only do that once. This, I've got to get this thing right. Like I said, it is a distract. This isn't supposed to be part of the act. This is, um, this is life, man. This is real. All right. So, we want to look at these ways then, and, and as you would have noticed in my little demo up front, technology plays a big role in the distractions we often face, things like phones and iPads and stuff like that. Very useful, but also a major source of distraction. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But let's look at distraction. What does the word mean? Okay, so if you have a look up here, you'll see um, it can refer to a thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. I'd also change the word then to someone else. Distractions prevent us from focusing properly on important relationships, and especially someone with a capital S on God as well and on Jesus. And then the word apparently comes from somewhere in the 1590s where it had a meaning along the lines of a pulling apart, separating, a drawing of the mind in different directions. And we have an enemy who wants to do that very thing. He wants to pull our minds apart, not literally. I mean, I suppose he would do that if he could, but he wants to separate our thoughts. He wants to draw our minds away from focus on Jesus Christ and the things that the Lord has for us to do, all right? So this is the thing. So Craig Rochelle said something along these lines. He said, if the devil can't destroy you, he'll distract you. And very often in the midst of that distraction, we end up doing a whole lot of harm 
to ourselves. So today we're going to look at a great Bible story about being distracted. Okay, so you can turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. You can also follow it upon the screen. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. All right. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat down at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was, say it with me, distracted. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, that lazy thing. No, that's what she said, okay? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Some versions say, Martha, dear Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from him. Verse 40 sets up the whole story, doesn't it? Okay, it sets it up where we see that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Sounds a lot like many of our households around Christmas time, don't you think, eh? And many of us sympathize with Martha. Um, we probably recognize something of ourselves in her. Isn't that true? You know, um, if Jesus had to come to your house. I think there'd be, especially the ladies, especially the ladies, I think there'd be many pulling a Martha. Isn't that so? Maybe not the resurrected Christ as we read him in Revelations. I think then we'd all be on our faces in worship. We, food would be the least of our concerns, okay? But certainly, if you're alive in those times, as Jesus walked the earth, as he came into your village, you knew there was something special about him. If he came to your house, I think you'd want to prepare the best meal you possibly could. You want to make sure that your house was looking spick and span. Amen? Isn't that so? I think we could. Now, let's have a little fun here, okay? Imagine that you got an invite to Christmas lunch at the MML residence, the Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their brother, residence, okay? So you'd be hoping that Martha was cooking Christmas lunch, okay? Because if Martha was doing it, it was going to be a feast, all right? Wear your baggy clothing. Well, you're going to be putting on an extra kg probably. But if Mary, we're just having fun now, if Mary, okay, had to do it, I kind of picture something like, how many of you remember this Mr. Bean episode? Hey? Do you remember that? Okay, that one. Um, Laurie can't stand Mr. Bean. I love Mr. Bean. This was a New Year's Eve party that he throws for two of his work colleagues, if you remember it. And at one point, he goes into the kitchen to prepare the refreshments. Goes in, and I think those things are called twiglets, apparently, in England. They just, it's got like one of these things. So he reaches out, remember, he cuts off a branch and literally puts twigs on a plate. I think it was some Marmite or something. Then he turns to the champagne. It's only got like enough for half a glass. No problem for Mr. Bean. Just adds vinegar and sugar. Remember the thing. The two guys couldn't wait to get out of there, okay? So, you know, if you got your invite to Christmas lunch at the MML residence, you know, some men might say, hey, babe, you know, let's throw some Tupperwares in the boot. Maybe there'll be leftovers. Well, if Mary was taking care of the lunch, you won't be needing the Tupperwares. They can stay in the boots. I can tell you, you're probably swinging past Nando's or Burger King on your way home. That's where you'll be having your Christmas lunch, okay? Right, we're just having fun. Are you something very serious? Don't worry. We love Mary, lovely lady. We're just joking. I'm sure she would have done a whole lot better than that. I'm sure she would have. But the thing is this. It's such an amazing picture. We can shoot on to the next one. Thank you. Let's go to the scripture. It's such an amazing picture of these two sisters one sitting at the feet of Jesus, which was the posture of a disciple. That's what a disciple did, listening, okay? And the other one, like this whirlwind, running around her house, this dynamo of activity, trying to prepare something special for Jesus, really trying to host him well, okay? Now, I want to be clear about something. This is what we are not saying, okay? We are not saying 
That's, there's no place for serving. That serving Jesus is an importance. If you look at the, the gospel accounts, this story comes after the parable of the Good Samaritan, very interestingly, which was all about loving our neighbor, all about extending ourselves, going out of our way to serve and bless those around us, okay? So it's not that serving is an importance. Warren Wesby says this. He says, it seems evident that the Lord wants each of us to imitate Mary in our worship and Martha in our work. Blessed are the balanced. Certainly a meal was in order. But what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Again, it is not an either-or situation. It is a matter of balance. Okay, you're with me. So the thing is what Martha was trying to do wasn't wrong, obviously. wasn't sinful. It just wasn't the best thing. In that moment, the best thing was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, feeding on the very words from the bread of life himself, okay? And uh, rather that than running around like this tornado, as we said, trying to prepare an elaborate meal. Martha had become distracted, which L. Liefeld says this. He says, Martha was distracted. The verb perispato implying that her attention was drawn away by the burden of her duties. Martha's concern seems to have been that she had to work alone rather than that she could not sit at Jesus' feet. That's quite a statement, isn't it? So her main thing wasn't just, I'd also like to be sitting there like my sister. Her main thing, her main gripe was, why isn't my sister helping me? I've got to do this all on my own, okay? And friends, we recognize that we can so easily, in our serving the Lord, we can get just as distracted, can't we? Um, A few weeks ago at the evening service, Johnny shared with us on John chapter 15, on Jesus as the true vine, And in John 15, verse 5, Jesus said these words. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I've got that one. I've told you before, those words on the wall of my office. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right? Jesus wants us to be fruitful in serving him, but we're only going to be fruitful if we abide in the vine, if we remain in the vine, okay? When we try to do things in our own strength with our own best effort, we're never going to be as fruitful in serving Him. And something else happens that we see here too, okay? When we do things in our own strength, we end up getting frustrated, miffed, and chipped with people around us, even those trying to serve God. Very often, that's a little warning sign as well right there. If you start running out of grace for people around you and the way they're serving and what they're doing, often a sign too of of, uh, trying to do things in your own strength instead of abiding in Him, all right? And Wilcox said these words, it says, when, when, sorry, let me start that again. When Jesus expects us to follow him all the way, he means not a frenzy of religious activity undertaken in our own strength, but the total abandonment of ourselves to him, for him to work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay? So the Lord isn't looking for this frenzy, this whirlwind of religious activity in our own best efforts, in our own strength. He wants us to be surrender to him, even as we were singing today, and for him to work by the power of his spirit in us and in through us to produce that which he is looking for to his good pleasure, okay? Once again, we have been called to serve the Lord, to be faithful in this regard, but, and, and usually our serving of him will be in serving other people. That's the standard way that we serve Jesus. We serve him by serving others, okay? But we have to avoid the distractions of taking our eyes off of Jesus and starting to do things in our own strength because then it's going to lack fruitfulness and uh, time at his feet will no longer be the priority for us that it should be, okay? When God gave the Lord to Israel, he said to them, work for six days, seventh day is a day of rest, okay? And um, it was never meant to be the legalistic thing that the religious leaders turned it into. 
Jesus himself said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay? But he knew what we were like. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows what we're like. Okay? He made us. God knows what we're like. He knows how easily we slip into this, this kind of frenetic activity, running around, distracted by many things, getting tired, that we need time out, that we need a rest. And um, so I don't want to talk to you about that because this is a time of year where people often look to take a rest, but often we look to take a rest in the wrong ways, if I could put it that way, or the, the wrong places. Let me put it to this way. There's no better place to find rest and refreshment for your soul than at the feet of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, these famous words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Even today, uh, there will be some people here who are feeling weary and burdened. And again, we can look for all kinds of ways, and some are more effective than others, but the best rest you'll ever get is the rest that He alone can provide. As he takes your burdens, and He exchanges, He gives you His yoke, which is light. Okay? The best rest we'll get is at the feet of Jesus. Now, what I've been sharing on today we're talking about serving just for a moment, but this is especially true at this time of year, especially true at Christmas. So often we get so busy, so preoccupied with so many things that we're trying to do. We're trying to make preparations. There's food we're trying to cook. There's things we're trying to finish off. We're trying to keep a whole lot of other people happy. Isn't that often the case? Okay? And we can often get out of balance, so to speak, and lose sight. We lose focus on Jesus. It's not that the other things aren't important. It's not that there's no place for them in our lives. They are things that need to be done. It's just that we can't afford to lose focus on Jesus at Christmas, for any time of the year for that matter, but especially now. We don't want to be so distracted that we actually miss out on the most important one with a capital O of all, who's Jesus. Okay, so how can we prevent this from happening? Now, I'm going to do it like this. It's so interesting. It shouldn't surprise us. It is amazing in a way, but it shouldn't surprise us. Last Sunday, we finished a series on Hebrews, and I ended off with one of the great encouraging passages of the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to show you from the first two verses, the two things I'm going to point us to today are found in those very verses, okay? So it's a nice follow-on from where we left off last time. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Two simple things for us to do. Throw off the hindrances. Throw off those things that are impeding us, that are holding us back, or at least reduce them, okay? And then secondly, focus on Jesus. So let's look at the first one. First one you'll see is reduce the distractions. Cut back, reduce the distractions. In that Hebrews passage, we saw that we're called to throw off the sin, okay? That entangles us. Sin, it's an obvious one. Sin trips us up in our race of faith, Okay? But then the second thing is to throw off the things that hinder us. Remember last week we said that these hindrances, if you look at the word, the meaning, it speaks of weights. It's things that weigh us down. They're things that are like impediments that hold us back in terms of the race that we want to run for God, okay? And, uh, you know, sometimes running, especially like we said last Sunday, running a marathon is hard enough. You don't still want to be doing it with extra weights, okay? So, and again, these aren't necessarily wrong things. These can even be good things in our lives. So I gave you this example of Michael Eaton's last Sunday. He said, sometimes some innocent pleasures become such a time-consuming part of our life that eventually it becomes a weight that slows us down, all right? So this can be especially true 
of, uh, of technology. At the start, I had that little thing, as I said, my little demo thing. You'll notice that a phone and, and a pad like this were, were key elements of it, all right? Things that can distract us um, in, in terms of, of our walk with God and the things He calls us to. So we'll all agree that our phones, mobile phones, are, are very useful, okay? They're not bad things. They're very useful things. Apparently, the first smartphone, we often think it was the iPhone, but actually the first smartphone was in 1994. IBM brought out something that is recognized as the first smartphone. And then certainly in the 2000s, I mean, smartphones just, you know, they took off. To the point now that many people can't imagine life without their smartphone, okay? And therein lies the problem to a degree, okay? Um, Apparently, the average person can't go for more than 10 minutes without looking at their phone. That's pretty hectic if you think about it. Remember, there was a time there was nothing, okay? Remember some of you out there, ticky box, you know? Ching, you know, that was the thing. Go on holiday, nobody could reach you. Now, every 10 minutes, never mind people, you just every 10 minutes, you're checking your phone to see what you could be missing, what could have come in, all right? So, this digital distraction obviously is a major problem when it comes to productivity. It's a well researched thing. And there too, remember the thing is reducing distractions. So, there can be things that I'm not saying we throw our phones away, obviously not, but there can be things we do to reduce the distractions. So, for example, one of the things, as a simple thing, is that you turn off the notifications when you get new messages coming in, okay? Um, I've done that with something like WhatsApp, because I'm on some groups, even pastors' groups, a whole bunch of pastors, where they are so chatty. Every few seconds and minutes, your phone would be pinging with new messages coming in. So I've turned that off. So every now and again, I'll go on. I'll catch up on messages, but it's not this thing that you're trying to focus on something and, you know, every few seconds your phone or minutes is, you know, it's going off, all right? Simple things like that we can do to at least reduce and cut down on, uh, on the distractions. That's our phones. What about something like social media? Social media, baby. All right, here we go. Again, not necessarily an evil thing, a bad thing, obviously not, but again, it's, it's kind of the hold it has on people's lives. Craig Rochelle gave this figure. He said, apparently, I think this is obviously the States, although I don't think we'd be too far behind, but apparently the average person spends more than two hours of their day on social media, okay? So if you do the numbers, there are going to be some people who will spend more than seven years of their life clicking and scrolling and tapping and clicking on social media on their devices. I'm surprised more of you aren't. That's hectic. You can say, sure, (laughs) okay? Seven years plus of your life. I mean, some people, that's going to be around 10% or so of their lives that they are giving to social media. I mean, that's crazy, okay? That's crazy, crazy. Can I say to you with great love, God is calling us to so much more, to so many more important things than giving 10% or so of our lives to social media. And just so, because that's not a problem for me, but then there can be things like TV. For some people, instead of social media, full TV into the blank space, okay? Again, we've got to take stock of these things. The series is about traveling light. And so sometimes there'll be things that we... And we need to do this prayerfully. You've got to take stock of your life prayerfully, okay, with God. Sometimes there are things to throw off altogether, to get rid of. Other times it's more a thing of reducing, of diminishing the amount of time that you're giving, that, that kind of potential to distract you. And some things, like we said, will be obvious, but, um, but others you might, need to, you, know, you might need to pray and think about a little bit more, and also ways of going forward with those things. So it could be our devices, as we've said. It could be apps on our devices. It could be social media. Could be games that we play. It's another big one. Could be uh, all the Fortnite players. I think I'm in the wrong room probably for that one. Um, it could be television. Could be books you're reading. It could be hobbies. Um, it can even be relationships. There can be relationships that are actually holding you back in terms of following Jesus and serving Him. All right. So whatever it is, we've got to allow God 
to lead us in these things and look at how we deal with them. Some things, like we said, we call to throw off others. It's a thing of reducing, okay? Just coming back to um, something that Craig Rochelle said about devices. He said this. He said, the person or the people in front of you are always more important than what's on the screen. The people in front of you are always more important than what's on the screen. How often have you been in a restaurant or a fast food place and there's a couple and they both are on there? Fine. I can't even find mine. Here it is. Okay. There they sit, you know, like this. Like this, you know, the whole time, eh? Okay. Again, we're not trying to be too harsh and judge, okay? The reality is so there could be a message you're applying to. There could be um, something that you're Googling that you're looking up, okay? But the reality is this, friends, is that we want to, we don't want to communicate by text message. Is that all right? Okay, is that okay? We want to be having face-to-face conversations. I really want to encourage you in this thing. So often, friends, and we're seeing it coming through more and more, where actually the primary form of communication is this. And that applies to friendships, it applies to mentoring relationships, all of these things. Again, it's useful. It's great to be able to fire off quick messages to chat, to communicate. But we want to be in a place, friends. We want to be in a place where we don't miss that face-to-face communication. This can't ever take the place of that. Can I have an amen? Does anyone agree with me on that? I hope you do. Okay, good. All right. So, let's not neglect the relationships that matter most. And very often, family relationships are the big ones there. Let's not neglect those relationships. And then let's not neglect the relationship with a capital R, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, especially not to neglect that one. All right? So again... It's that time of year where maybe just to look at simplifying some things, just maybe instead of those endless to-do lists and the big, big preparations, why don't you just look to simplify some things so that in the midst of everything that's happening, we don't miss out on the one who matters most, on Jesus himself. Amen. All right. So that's the first thing. We're going to try and reduce distractions. The second thing is to focus on Jesus, to focus on Jesus, um, as Hebrews 12 calls us to do. That's something that Mary really got right. Where was Mary in the story? At Jesus' feet. All she could see was Jesus. All Mary could see was Jesus. But here's the thing. Mary wasn't the only focused one in the story, okay? Jesus himself was amazingly focused. You know, one of the many striking features about Jesus' life was just how focused he was, okay? And so if you think about it, in that story, Mary, uh, Martha comes in with her gripe, with her complaint, okay? And I'll be honest with you, if I was in Jesus' shoes, I might have got sucked into that, that squabble between the two sisters, trying to sort it out. But look at how Jesus just stays focused on what's most important. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to get drawn into this thing about who's doing what. Your sister's actually chosen what matters most, what's most important. It's not going to be taken from her, okay? Jesus was incredibly, incredibly focused. In that story, in Luke 10, we often focus a lot on the two sisters, Okay? But here's a question for you. What about Jesus? What did Jesus need most of all in that moment? Okay. William Barclay offers quite an interesting answer to that. He says about Martha, so she rushed and fussed and cooked. And that was precisely what Jesus did not want. All he wanted was quiet. With a cross before him and with the inattention in his heart, he had turned aside to Bethany to find an oasis of calm away from the demanding crowds, if only for an hour or two. And that is what Mary gave him. And what Martha, in her kindness, did her best to destroy. Okay? Now, you might not entirely agree with the picture that he's painting there, but the reality is, I think he's onto something that Jesus, with the cross looming on the horizon before him, and with the constant demands of the crowd, what Jesus probably wanted most was just some chill time with some people that he really enjoyed. Can I say to you that Jesus? 
would probably have been more than happy with a simple sandwich if it meant Martha could also be in the room with them instead of huffing and puffing and rushing her way around the house as she tried to lay out this feast instead. Okay? So here's my captain. Obvious statement this morning. We can't afford to lose sight of Jesus at Christmas time. Not at any time of the year, but especially now. We can't. We must stay focused on Him. Okay? And if you look at this little scene, to my left, to your right, the nativity scene, we'll see we've got the, the shepherds and you've got the magi, the wise men over there. Okay? And what I want to do is I want to show you how these two, the shepherds and the wise men, demonstrate this thing of being focused on Jesus at Christmas time. All right? So let's have a look. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, and in verses 9 to 11. Okay, so it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they, this is verse 9, dropping down to you. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay? I enjoy nativity scenes like this one. They're cool. All right? The question, though, sometimes we wonder, you know, we often get the picture that everyone was there all at the same time. So a good question to ask is, the guys over on the far side, the magi, the wise men, how long did it take them to get there, to, to meet with Jesus? Okay? Because I think we often think it could have played out like this. You know, one night, the oak went out with his cup of coffee, looked up at the stars. Hey, I haven't seen that one. Hey, but come here. Calls all the guys around. They check it out. Don't recognize that one. Check. They read up a little bit. Wait, this could be the prophecy. So they saddle up the camels. Off they go. On the N1, half past 10, they, they roll into the Celtic star stop, fill up their camels. Celtic star stop, people. I think it was, wasn't too bad, okay? Celtic is a tough crowd this morning. It's sheesh, I tell you. Celtic star stop, fill up their camels, off they go, and at 1 a.m. in the morning, they roll into our little town of Bethlehem, our sweet, uh, we see the light type of thing, okay? They come up, and they find the baby Jesus, all right? Now, it wasn't like that, okay, obviously. Um, we don't know how long they traveled because we don't know where they started from. It just simply says they were wise men from the east, magi from the east, okay? But I looked into this, and it would have been at least a few weeks, but it would seem like... It was more like a few months of travel. It would have been a few months of travel. So think about this, okay? Every day for a few months, they were focused on following a star. But it wasn't about the star. It was about where and whom that star was leading them to. That star was taking them to meet the one born king of the Jews, the one who was born to be the Messiah. Okay? And so when the star stops over Bethlehem, and they come in and they find Jesus, their focus shifts to the baby, they bow down. And they worship him. What a great picture, friends, of focus on Jesus around Christmas time. Don't you think so? Isn't it amazing, eh? I just love that picture, all right? So, so there we go. That's what we can see with these, with these magi. The thing is this too. I had a thought this morning that hit my heart. And it's this. The star led them to Jesus. But are our lives like a star to others to lead them to find Jesus Christ? What do others see in us? Is there anything in our lives that is leading? I'm sure there is. There should be. There should be. Okay, by the grace of God, there should be. But again, are we letting our light shine so that others can follow us to meet Jesus? Okay, not the baby, but the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then secondly, um, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm not even going to comment on it. But they brought Jesus precious gifts. 
treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? At this time of year, we're often very focused on getting gifts for those we love, okay? But here's a question for you to think about. What gift would Jesus most want you to give him this Christmas? Think about that. Pray about that. What gift would Jesus most want you to give him this Christmas? All right. Think about that this week. Pray about it. Let's look at the second group of guys, the, the shepherds. We read part of their story in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Okay, so for the purpose of this message today, I'd underline those words, so they hurried off. Notice they didn't leave it till the next morning. They didn't wait until later on in the week when most of their shepherding chores had been done. No, they went straight away to find Mary, Joseph, and of course, baby Jesus, all right? So if I was tweeting something this morning, I'd tweet this. The only thing that the shepherds were in a hurry to do was to get to Jesus. My friends, if we could just catch that for this Christmas, where we so often hurrying about with so many other preparations and things to do, the only thing the shepherds were in a hurry to do was to get to see Jesus Christ. All right. I think it's a good thing that we can learn from them. And so in verse 14, we also read these words, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The ultimate peace that we can have is peace with God through Jesus Christ, his son, okay? But we know the stories of peace associated with Christmas, times of war where war would stop. There'd be a ceasefire on Christmas Day, a time of peace. And I think that's something that I really would pray for all of us, a time that, again, we're often looking to rest, we're often looking for refreshing of our souls, but that we would find that true peace that comes from God alone this Christmas. All right, so wrapping up. The miracle of Christmas is that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, took on flesh. He came down to earth as a man to be like us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Okay, that is the ultimate thing. So again, friends, that we don't get so distracted and flustered and hurrying about that we actually miss the one whom Christmas is actually all about. All right? So again, the two things. Distractions, prayerfully take stock with God. Some things in our lives it's good to throw off. Some things, even if we minimize, we just control the kind of effect they're having on our lives, but it's good to deal with those distractions, things that don't keep us from focusing on Him. And the second thing, of course, is to actively focus on Jesus. You know, this is a time of year where there are some people who work hard, guys in retail and that often work hard, but for many others, there's a chance to take a break. And often you hear people say, oh, I've got no time to spend with God. Well, to be honest with you, that, that excuse doesn't apply too strongly around Christmas time because often there's time for us to just slow down and to spend time. So why don't you, Leon spoke earlier about a Bible plan, why don't you start one or two good Christmas Bible plans? Take some time just to worship God. 
Take some time to pray. Why don't you get some habits in place in seeking Him that actually are going to roll into 2020 and become good spiritual habits in your life going forward? Let's seek Him. I really, my prayer for us, friends, would be that we all have a Christ-focused Christmas in 2019. Amen. I want to pray, and I think I'm going to pray, but I'd love to finish with that first song we sang. I think it's so appropriate as well. So we all in a moment awake my soul. Hey, but, but you can maybe hang five just a second if you want, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for 15 minutes. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> Let's just, let's pray. But I really, as we bow our heads and pray, Leon had a, had, a, had a picture, a word that he shared this morning in our prayer meeting. And he said, often when you go to like a B&B or something like that, and, uh, or a hotel or whatever, they've got that. It's like a little stand, a little table type thing where you can put your luggage on. You can put your bags down. And sometimes you feel a bit lost when you don't find that thing. And um, just felt today that something that he prayed into, and as he's praying, I very much felt it was something for this service time, friends is that I feel like God is giving us something today where we can come and offload some baggage in our lives today. And it's not just today, it's going to be the series that we're doing, just different things we're going to look at where we can just come and offload, just get rid of some stuff that's weighing us down. This whole theme of the series is travel light, offloading some of the things that slows us, that weighs us, that impedes us. And today we're talking about distractions. And so even now, maybe you picture that. We could picture it as being the, the foot of the cross, another place I often like to picture it as actually the throne of Jesus because that's where he is right now. And so to bring that stuff to him, just if there's stuff right now that, that is worrying you, that is on your heart, we spoke about it earlier, it could be whatever it is, it could be stuff I've shared about, it could be other things that you have on your heart right now. I just want to give you a moment to picture that thing, picture that kind of that stand as it were, okay, and picture that there's going to be an exchange taking place just as I find that scripture again that I'd like to read to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's time, friends, to exchange our yokes and our burdens for the light burden of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so even now, I'm just going to be still. If there's something that you want to bring to him, I'm just going to be quiet for a moment as you... Picture yourself coming and laying that baggage, that weight. You might even feel like you're struggling to lift it onto the stand right now. I think God's hand would come down and help you do just that. But in your heart, in your heart, picture this stuff just being offloaded and being dumped as Jesus calls you to get rid of it. Does that make sense? So let's just be still in a moment and you bring those things to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. as we're in this place, I just felt God stir my heart with this thought, is that sometimes we think, yes, Lord, would you really even want to carry this stuff? Are you really interested in it? And just this thought immediately at my heart is just, Jesus Christ carried the cross to Golgotha on a back that had been ripped and shredded in a flogging that would have killed many a man. And then he took the weight of the sin of the world upon himself. 
If he was willing to do all of that for you, I can say with confidence today, Jesus will carry any and every one of the burdens you bring to him right now. Something he wants to do and he's able to do. And so even now, Lord Jesus, we come to make this divine exchange today. I want to pray, Lord, that as we bring these things to you, as we confess them, as we release them, and sometimes we're not even sure how to fully let go. I pray for two things. Firstly, I pray for a lifting. I pray for the lightness of your yoke to settle upon people. And I pray for heaviness and weight to lift off in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, I pray for wisdom because sometimes we're tempted to reach down and take up those bags once again. So give us divine discernment and wisdom, Lord, how to walk forward in the freedom that you release us into now. I pray, Lord, that we would resist the temptation to carry these things again. Show us, Lord, whatever it is that we need to do to walk in the freedom and the lightness of burden that you call us to walk in. We pray for this now, Lord. Thank you that people walk out of these doors today, Lord, free, not weighed down in Jesus' name. And I pray that would be the way we stay right through this Christmas time and into 2020 in Jesus' name. We pray for this now. Secondly, Father, I want to pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would help us to remain focused on your Son. Lord, we see that picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus. And Lord, we know that has to be a priority for us in our lives. Thank you for the awesome privilege that we recognized in the Hebrew series that the way is open to you, Father. The way into your presence has forever been open to us by Jesus. I want to pray, Lord, that in this Christmas season ahead, Lord, let us make full use of that awesome privilege we have. I want to pray that we would draw near to you and then go from that place walking in your presence, Lord, with such an awareness of you with us. Thank you, Lord, that Christmas is all about Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Lord, that this is the time we remember you came down, took on flesh to be with us, to be like us, to do what we could never do and to take the punishment that was rightfully ours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that our eyes would be open to see you. And I want to pray, Lord, that again, graciously you would help our lights to shine, that others could see something in us that draws them and leads them even to you, Jesus Christ. We want to pray for that especially over this time ahead, we ask in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And then I want to pray, as I ask the band to come up, I want to pray for anyone here today. Where, I'm going to put it to you like this, where you know that your life is not right with God. That's what I feel to pray today. So it could be someone who once walked with Jesus and hasn't for a long time, or you've never come to that place of calling on Jesus to save you. If that's you today, I want to pray with you, and I want to ask you to pray this prayer and mean it with all of your heart. In fact, I'm going to ask the whole church, let's today, let's all pray out loud together. Would you all follow me as we pray this prayer? Say, Jesus Christ, I call on you to save me. Thank you that you died in my place, that you paid the price in full so that I could go free and have life everlasting. I confess that I've sinned against you, God. Today, I receive forgiveness for all of my sin. I turn from the way I've been living to follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart. Thank you that you receive me into your family, into your kingdom, and that you help me now, day by day and step by step, to keep my eyes fixed on you and to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus' name I pray. I want to ask you to do this. Just as we're in this place with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you, if you prayed that prayer today and meant it with all of your heart, if you were responding, would you raise your hand right now so I could witness with you? Anyone who prayed that? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else prayed that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for every person 
who's raised their hand to you today, who's prayed that prayer from their heart. I thank you, Lord. Again, we, we'd love to have this picture before us that there is a party in heaven <laughs> as we respond to you, Jesus. We thank you for the joy that is, that is even now, Lord, that joy that was before you. This is it, Lord, as hearts turn to you, as people come home to the Father's house. And we want to pray now for your hand to be upon them today, Father. I want to ask that you would give them grace, that you'd fill them with your spirit. You'd open your word to them, Lord God, and you would help them to run this race with their eyes fixed on you, to avoid the distractions, to throw off, Lord God, the extra weight, and to run strongly this race for you. I pray, Lord, this would be the best Christmas they've ever experienced because of the focus on you, Lord Jesus. We pray this now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen.